You're listening to a sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara. We believe in unapologetic preaching, unashamed adoration of Jesus, unceasing prayer, and unafraid witness. Thank you for listening. I love you guys, and I, I came to preach uh, um, when uh, Daryl and I were talking about what to preach and so on and so forth, what would the church need, and what would be a word for God. Uh, uh, we told him about this series we were going through called Meeting Places. And I know if you guys are like us, like, Six years in, you know, six-year anniversary a couple weeks ago, and you're like feeling, he's feeling the pressure. He won't tell you probably, but he's feeling the pressure. Like, I gotta, I'm like Moses in the promised land. I gotta walk these people into the building, right? Like, that's when we're like an entity. That's when like this thing will stay a hundred years after I leave. It seems safe to me because of a building. Eh, whatever, right? But we feel the pressure. And so, Feeling that pressure, I went away to study, did my study break uh, for a week last summer, and uh, I was thinking about this. Where does God meet with us? Like, is it a building? Is it my heart? Like, we can all stay home tomorrow, right? We never have to come back to church again. God's with me. It's like, he meets with me, that's it, done. Can we do that? I pray not. Right? So, where does, so I went to study. Where does God meet with people? And we're all over the Bible, Right? What does the first symbol look like? Wow, look at you. What do you guys think it is? Because he's way smarter than me. Again. Did anybody from the first service tell you what I was preaching on? Okay, great. I mean, I heard a lot of stuff in the first service. I heard a candle. I didn't hear the thing I thought. I thought it was a hot tub. I was like, meeting place is a hot tub. When my graphics guy gave me that, I was like, that's a hot tub for sure. I meet with God in the hot tub. Sometimes I tell people about Jesus, right? In the sauna or the hot tub at the club. And uh, then the second symbol there is a tent, the tent of meeting. Right? The altar was a place of sacrifice. Right? In order to come to God, here you go, God. I'm laying this down. The tent of meeting was a place of holiness. God, it's 613 laws. This is the commandments. You know, you want to meet with me? Here's how, when you can meet with me. Here's how you can meet with me, right? And it demands holiness. I'm a holy God. And then the temple. Double the size of the tabernacle. And it's a place of glory. If you read First Kings, it's like Solomon is temple. We all know about Solomon's life and where that went. Right? All of these things build, though. They build a place of sacrifice, a place of holiness, a place of glory. The church is all of those things. I would submit to you today the title of the message, the church, a place of power, right? The church is a place of power. It's a place of power beyond what we believe. There's more power in the local church than We'll probably discover in our lifetime. I wish we would discover it. I think my heart breaks for our church not to get more of it. And so the church is a place of power. And uh, uh, another kind of weird thing about this message is uh, this message, you know, you go to study a message, you're like, give me a passage. Let me study it for like a whole week and I'll just tell you what it says and, you know, how we should apply it to our life. That's an easy passage. The church, a place of power? Eh, not that easy. 20 years of ministry, okay? The whole New Testament, let's go. We're going to be here a while. And so I, I was like, God, you got to give me more than that, please. More than the whole New Testament in 20 years of uh, church experience, okay? Give me more. And so Ephesians. Every single one of our points comes right out of Ephesians. So if you want to read about the church this week, go read Ephesians. Okay, six chapters, be a quick read, one chapter a day, get through it in a week. And I just encourage you to read that. So open up to Ephesians. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3 to start. The church, a place of power. These guys like to get a Bible in your hand. It's so important that you have one because it's the authority. I'm going to talk about that in point two. And it's the authority. And so if you don't have a Bible, you can take this one home. It's yours to read and it'll change your life. I'm speaking from experience. Just read it. <laughs> Take it for what it is, and it'll change your life. So what makes the church so powerful? That's what I want to answer. Here's four, I'm going to give you four reasons 
why the church is so powerful. Why you see it and you're like, whoa! That just happened, didn't it? What makes the church so powerful? Here's the first reason. Jesus started the church. Jesus started the church. Sunday school answer. What makes the church so powerful? Jesus. Right? It's going to be in every one of the points. No, I'm not throwing out candy. Jesus started the church. Therefore, I have access. I have access. That's comforting, eh? If you have access, you know what I'm talking about. You're like, oh, thank you for, thank you for including that in the point. I feel so encouraged right now. If you don't have access, you're like, what does that mean? Well, I'm going to get to that. Here we go, okay? Um, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 7. Right before this, because I'm picking up in the middle of a thing, he's talking about the mystery, the mystery of Christ, the mystery, which is the gospel. Of the gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. If you like to write in your Bible, I I do. Uh, It's all marked up. Uh, Underline, highlight, power. There's power in the church. To me... Though I am the very least of all the saints, I love that Paul says that because he doesn't seem like the least. And so I kind of feel welcome here in church today. Since he says he's the least, I feel pretty good. This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery. Hidden for the ages, In God who created all things. So that through the church. Underline that. Highlight that. Box that in your Bible. Put something by that. Star it. Through the church. That's how the gospel comes forth. That's how the mystery comes. And it is a mystery. The church is a living mystery. The manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. I think it's astounding That the angels are like looking into the church. They're like, what is this, the gospel? They're like, what is this, the church? And they want to know, right? Since the prophets were longing for the day like this. We look back at Abraham and Moses and all those guys were like, oh, look at you. Guys just like us. Gals just like us. That God used in a powerful way. And they're all looking towards the church. Going, what's this church thing? This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the way I read that, because I like to think when I read the Bible, so I'm like, the eternal purpose. So God and Jesus were in eternity past, like way before any of us were either even around, right? And they're like, Okay, they're one. So how'd they do that exactly? How does one person have... Anyway, I don't know. The Trinity will blow your mind. Okay, don't think too hard. Just think this hard. Okay, so God and Jesus are like talking. They're like, we should build a church. We should build a church in Niagara, Canada. That's what we're going to do. We'll call it Niagara Harvest. Harvest Niagara, right? It'll be awesome. People will come to know Jesus Christ. The angels are going to shout. Can you imagine that? This was Jesus' idea. Jesus started his church. It's powerful. Jesus doesn't have bad ideas. Just saying. Verse 12, just to finish it. In whom we have boldness and access. Underline that, access. We have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in Him. In who? In Jesus. It was His idea to start a powerful organization called the church, and it was His idea to give you access. Now just think about that. All right, you guys have Costco? Costco? Yeah, good. Okay. You guys have Sam's Club? Oh, you're in Canada, Dorothy. All right. Okay, this might not fly, but I'm going to go with it anyway. Okay, so here it is. 
You never know if illustrations are going to translate. There's this place called Sam's Club. It's kind of like Costco. Only at Sam's Club, you have a membership card, but at the front door, they don't ask for it. Now, what's the use of a membership card? Well, because when you go through the line, you still have to have it or you can't, you can't buy anything. So I don't know if it's their trick to like get you to be a member. Like you got your cart full and they're like, hey, you need to be a member. Okay, how much does that cost me? Man, these are expensive groceries right now, right? So, but Costco's not like that. So I tried to walk into Sam's Club. No big deal. Enter right in. I tried to Sam's Club at Costco. Walk right in. Like, I'm a member. Guy's like, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait a second. Uh, sir, I'm going to need to. I'm like, you're going to need to what? Like, you know? He's like, I'm going to need to. Oh, you, you want, you want, you want the card, right? You want, I got, I got access because I have this card, right? I'm cool. Cause I have like this night. Nice, do you have cards like this? Oh, good. Whew. This illustration was a flop. All right. If you don't have the card, you don't get access. We all understand that, right? The guys at the door are like, you, no, not you. I want you to think about that in this text here. We have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in Him. Through faith in Jesus Christ, we have access to God and eternal life. This is amazing. This is the grace of God. Activating the faith of His people. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's a gift of God. You want to see where the first time this gift was given? It's kind of a fun, fun thing. And when you're talking about the church, I'm not going to go all over the New Testament, but how about the first time the church is, is mentioned, huh? Okay, flip over to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16. If you're there, say you're there. Okay, I got a few of you. Um, Let's go with verse 13. And now Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi. He asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? So let me just ask you. I'm not Jesus, but I'll ask anyway. Who do people say that Son of God is? That Jesus is. Who do your neighbors? Who do your co-workers? Who does, what do you hear on the street? Give, give it to me. What do you got? He's a good teacher. He's a good man. What else? Come on. I know you're a prophet. Thank you. I know Daryl does not let you just be quiet all the time. I might be American, but I'm not naive. This man will get you interacting. So what else you got? That role over there. What do you, got? What do you guys got? What are your neighbors saying about Jesus? He's a liar, all right. Yeah. Fake? Never existed. He's a curse word, right? There's just so many things that people say about Jesus. So he says, what do, you, what do people say? What do you, what's the word on the street? And they said, some people say John the Baptist... What? Others say Elijah. Hmm? Others Jeremiah. Or one of the prophets. He said to him, I think this is the question I'm really asking you right now. But who do you say that I am? So he came over to Niagara, Canada to preach the gospel. And the gospel is clear. Faith in Jesus Christ gets you access Forget the Sam's Club membership. You want this. Do you have access to God through faith in Jesus Christ? I think you've got to, in your heart right now, answer this question. Who do you say that I am? Jesus is asking you. I started a church. You can have access, but you've got to answer one question. Who do you say that I am? Do you say that I'm God? Do you say that I came down, 
emptied myself of these attributes to live among you so I could feel what you feel. Didn't sin. Lived a sinless life. Paid the debt for your sin. Communion was so sweet today. To just think again about what Jesus has done for us. Died on a cross. Maybe the most astounding statement he said was, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Did God forsake him? So what you're saying then, if God didn't forsake him, that he was thinking like we think. Because sin gets in the way. Once our sin was upon him, he couldn't feel the presence of God that was right there. Just think about that. God's presence is here right now, and you might not feel it. But if you would turn from your sin, and you would embrace him, that he's loved you all along. Man. Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, Why is it always Peter? He must be American. I don't know. He's just always out there, man. He's just bold and... He's the leader. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with him. But he always has to... I mean, he's like us, Daryl. He's a verbal processor. Did I just say that out loud? I did. So he processes it verbally and he just says, here's what's in my heart. You are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Whoa. That was the first time right there that someone gained access through faith. Amazing. And and he says, and Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I will tell you. Who revealed it to him? See, I can't open your eyes to get this. As much as I want to try any illustration I could do, I can't get it to you. This is a gift from above. You must be born from above, John 3 says. Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, the most religious guy. You could be a Bible scholar and not get this. It's like, you have to be born from above. You must be born again. Nicodemus is like, ah, enter my mom's womb. You're like, what? Even I'm smart enough to know that's not possible. I mean, what are you, what are you thinking? You just can't see it. And I'm not trying to beat you up if you can't see it. But here's what I want to say to you. If you can't see it, if you can't get it, would you pray and ask God, the Father, to reveal to you the truth? I think that's key. If you don't get it, if you don't believe it, just would you pray? Maybe miss a meal today. Spend it in prayer instead. God, I'm serious. I want to hear from you. I want to know. Because that's access. The church is a place of power, and it's really powerful because Jesus started it. It was his idea, and he's going to build it. And I have access through faith in Jesus Christ. Second, um, and we'll just stay here in Matthew to get it. Uh, Jesus leads the church. I have authority. Jesus leads the church. Jesus is the leader. Like to play follow the leader? Duck, duck, goose? What do you, what do you, what do you play? Like... What do you guys play here? Simon says hockey. Come on, hockey. That's good, Daryl. That's good. You know you're in Canada when. I wasn't going to break this out, but here it comes. I'm at a pizza place last night. It's like the playoffs of Major League Baseball. It's in overtime. Right? They shut off the game. For the start of the hockey game. It's the first period. They don't even play hard till the third period. I'm like, what are you doing? Oh, we're in Canada. That's my Canadian joke. All right. Back to the scripture, which is much more important than any of that. Verse 18. 
And I tell you the truth. I tell you. You are Peter. Peter means small rock. And on this rock, that means big foundation stone, like a cornerstone. I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This is a landmine. I'm not going to preach this, okay? Like, I'm not going to preach this today. I'm on a different topic. But I want you to see the authority there. Do you see the authority? I will. Gates of hell. Gates are a picture of authority. I have authority over even the gates that will let you in and let you out. Um, It will not prevail. I will give you the keys. Keys are a thing of authority of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose will be on earth will be loosed in heaven. This is all about authority. Daryl, good luck. You preach that sometime. All right? I'm not giving you all the dirt on that. This is just a turn, right? But there's authority there. There's authority. Jesus is in authority. He's the leader. No one else. You're like, I'm going to want a little more evidence of the power of his authority. Okay, well, I I read Luke sometimes. So here's Luke 9.1. Okay, Luke 9.1. He says to the disciples, the 12 of them, here's what he says. And he called the 12 together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. Bam! I want that power. You, you, you should be thinking that if you're, if you're a Christian. You're like, give that power to me. I would say to you, he has. We don't believe in healings on demand, but I believe you have the power over these things in Christ. He is powerful. His power hasn't decreased. His power has only increased. It's spreading. Like, but that was just to the twelve. Just the 12 cool guys, you know. Okay, well, the next chapter, Jesus says this. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And he says this to 72 of his followers. And he says, you go out and preach the gospel. And here's what happens when they come back. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo! Power! And he said to them, this is just great. When Jesus talks, you got to listen, right? Like a picture of the spiritual world, right? Because he is God-man, right? So he's in both here, right? I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Yes! Satan's not in the throne room accusing the saints right now. That's good news. You're like, I don't want him down here. Why not? Jesus can handle Satan with his feet up and his hand behind his back. Because he made him. That is the power and the authority we live with. Just let that sink in. Behold, now listen. I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. It just got weird in here. We're not a snake handling church, right? And we're never going to be. But we believe in the authority of God's word and we believe in the power of it. Why not scorpions and snakes? Because these are words God, Jesus, uses to describe demons. So he would, that we would know they were dangerous. That they shouldn't be handled lightly. You'll see it in a second because he gets back to spirits. And over all the power of the enemy. Forget about demons. What about Satan? Power over even Satan in Jesus Christ's name. And nothing shall hurt you. All right, now, just a little disclaimer. Don't go to the zoo this week and try to play in the snake cage. I did not say that that could happen. Everybody, tell your neighbor. Don't do it. Don't do it. I don't want to be like sued for anything near now. Okay, but nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you in Jesus' name, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. I mean, just think, if you have access, you're like, what? And you don't even, you don't just have access, you have authority in Jesus' name. He's leading the church 
and we have his authority. Like, I don't know, I don't know, man, that was 72. Yeah, well, I know you're all familiar with this verse. Chapter 28 of Matthew, like our theme verse, right? Chapter 28, I'll read it for you because I'm sure you all have it memorized. I don't, I'm just a mojo here. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Heaven, earth, I own it all. Go, therefore, and make disciples of every nation. Baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you till the end of the age. Jesus is with you. And he says, go. I love that it called go teams or whatever that was. Go mission. That was, that was cool, man. We're stealing that. All right. That's good. That's good stuff. Go with the gospel. That's so good. We have that same authority. He's given it to us. But Daryl's our pastor. And uh, he's the one in charge. And we're just on that train. And, you know, Brett, he's a cool guy. I want to follow him. And yes, that's great. Their leadership is awesome. But Jesus is in charge. Jesus leads the church. Let's just get it clear, okay? Can I prove it to you? Can I prove it to you? Right now, I'm going to prove it to you. Ready? Okay, if you started coming to this church in 2011, I want you to stand up. If you started coming to this church in 2011, stand up. Go ahead. Come on now. Who started coming in 2011? Okay. Now, Daryl might have had something to do with that. He, you know, was like, could meet with you all and all that stuff and whatever. But he was on his knees. I know that because I was praying for you too. We were both praying, God, have a church, have a church, please have a church, please have a church, God, in Niagara, right? 2012. Who started coming in 2012? All right. See God at work? God's leading these people here. Wasn't any clever flyer or any, like, unique thing? It was like, Jesus told me to come. Here I am. All right? 2013. Who came in 2013? All right. Jesus adding to his church, adding to his church, his authority, right? You probably came for the word of God, didn't you? Because your last church wasn't preaching that. Yep, yep. That's why we came. Jesus leading his church. This is his authority. Okay, who came in 2014? Just look how Jesus builds his church. In 2015, who came in 2015? Awesome. In 2016, who came in 2016? And the Lord's leading you. And who came in... You're the coolest if you came in 2017 because that's when I came. Okay? 2017, we're together. Come on, stand up. This is God's church. This is the Lord. He's leading the church. That's right. You can clap for Jesus. He's leading the church. It's under his authority that we go out now and preach the gospel to our neighbors and our coworkers. Have a seat. Because we want to see every seat in this auditorium filled with people. Because Jesus led them here under his authority. All right, this third reason. Jesus started the church. I have access. Jesus leads the church. I have authority. And this, Jesus nourishes the church. I am abiding. Jesus nourishes the church. I am abiding. Now, I'm reading the Bible. I just happened to be in John 15 yesterday. Read it last night before I went to bed. And read it again this morning because it was like, man, that's in the message. This is so cool. I just want to encourage you to go read it. But I'm going to give you the cliff notes. Here's verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. That's pretty clear, all right. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. So it's going to be obvious, right? When we're telling our neighbors when we're bearing much fruit that we're plugged in. For apart from me, you can do nothing. That's the phrase I have underlined. I just need to be reminded of that. I can't do anything unless Jesus comes. Jesus nourishes the church. I am abiding. I am abiding in him. I want you to see this from Ephesians. And I don't want to be a liar, so each passage I said would come from Ephesians, didn't I? Second point, verse, chapter 1, verse 22. Let me just read it. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. Does that sound like authority to you? Under feet, head over the church. Which is his body... 
the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, my problem with the head body thing is like, I always think of the head as a separate thing than the body. I'm like, yeah, Jesus is the head, Jesus is the head. And I get this picture of the head. You, know, you guys have cartoons here? You know, boop, boop, boop. Bubble, bubble, bubble into a big bubble. And it's like, my picture is head. But it's not bleeding. So it's not decapitated. Sorry, you all went there. But like, it's just, it's just the head. Weird. It's October. I don't know. It's scary stuff. But then you start talking about the body. Bloop, 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 bloop. Over here, it's like just a body, no head. I don't know why I think of it that way, but I think if you think of it that way like me, you got to connect the two. You got to put the head on the body. Now look at this, head on the body. Well, here's an example. There's a neck, there's skin, there's ligaments, there's bones, there's major arteries. Like, don't cut that one, right? Or I'm not going to live. There's nourishment going back and forth. This is so important. It needs to be connected. Look at it from Ephesians chapter 5. He uses the example of a husband and wife, their connection. Husbands, love your wives. Great advice for you today, guys. As Christ loved the church, man, tell order. <laughs> and gave himself up for her. Serve her, guys. That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. I want you to underline that, with the word. So that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. That she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. There's some truth for you. For no one ever hated his flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. There it is. There's the word nourishes. He nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body. Do you see it there? There's the axis again. I'm a member. Here I go. These points are all over the scriptures. The whole New Testament screams the power and glory of God in the local church. Here he's talking about nourishment. Like, yeah, feed yourself, feed your wife. You would never feed yourself without feeding your wife. Hey, honey, this is all we had. I'll eat it. Like, what? Right? We sacrifice, we love our wives. And that's just a picture of how much Jesus Christ loves us and he sacrificed for us. Now, one of the best ways Jesus nourishes us, his bride, his church, is with his word. Right here. This is really important. This is the access pass to faith, right? This is the authority that we're under, even as I preach right now, right? I'm not the man. This is it. And this is the nourishment, the very food for my soul. Your words were found and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. That's Jeremiah fifteen sixteen. Write it down. That should be your life first if you don't have one. That will go a long ways. God has so much for you and it's sitting on your table every day. It's his love letter written to you. He's like, I love you and I want to tell you again today. And we look at it as a rules book. Well, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. Don't hurt yourself, right? That's all Jesus is saying. I love you so much I don't want you to hurt yourself. Oh, that's going to hurt. That's going to leave a mark. Well, you're going to have to suffer for that one a couple years. Choose to sin, choose to suffer, right? But at the end of the day, this is nourishing us. This is where we go to find out what God wants us to do, how he wants us to live, who we should be in him, how to live and abide in him more. This is where I plug in. But we plug into so many other things, don't we not? Like, how many books have you read? And you're like, dude, that left me hungry. Right? I'm not, I mean, that didn't nourish me at all. My soul is still like, Come on. Books, movies, 
TV shows, magazines, even conversations I have with other people leave me wanting, right? Tried to get in a good conversation with the, the waitress we were in, Jen, yesterday. Nothing. It's hard to build a relationship quick and talk about Jesus, right? But even conversations leave me lacking. Why? Why? Well, I read Luke 24, where Jesus fills the disciples up. How does he do it? He nourishes them with the word of God. On the road to Emmaus, he's like opening their eyes to see from all the law and the prophets. All the prophecies about him. And then they get in, he breaks the bread, and they're like, whoa, you're Jesus, right? Something about the way he broke the bread, something about the way the drink, something, something about that. Opened their eyes, and then he vanished. And then they, whoop, seven miles back to Jerusalem, same night. And they walk in, and they're like, and they don't even get to talk first. They're like, Peter saw Jesus, oh! And then they get their turn. And then they go, you would not believe how our hearts burned because of the word of God. Didn't he open our eyes? Didn't we want more? The more you read, the more you want to. True confessions in church. Last year I got into a bad spot. I don't know why. I don't know how. I wasn't reading the Bible that much for my own nourishment. I was reading it to preach and stuff and I didn't really know at the time. You know how you get laudless sleep? Like, yeah, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. And pretty soon you're like, we went away on a preaching break, and I'm like, looking back, because you're looking forward, so you have to look back and reflect, right? So I'm looking back, and I'm like, that wasn't a very good year. Why wasn't it a very good year? And you start dissecting that, you're like, I lost my love for the Word. I lost my love to read it just for me, no, not for anybody else. I need to rekindle that. That is my nourishment. That's my food. And I had to come back to it and just be like, God, teach me. I want to be at your feet every day. I want to learn from you. I want to read your love letter. And I have had some of the sweetest times in the last several months. Just reading. Sometimes sitting alone. Just asking God. God, what do you have for me today? What do you want me to do? What's your will? Just calling God to mind, right? Pushing all the other thoughts away and him nourishing me. I want to challenge you. If you've uh, maybe gotten stale in your reading, I challenge the people in nine too. They picked up a lot of these. So there's only a few left. You better run to the back. Nobody's leaving. These are Bible reading plans that I brought from our church. And I just wanted to give them to you. And just with hopes that you would, we're kind of chuck the box people. We're like, yeah, I'm doing something. Look at me, I'm accomplishing something. Yeah, big deal. Pretty soon you won't even check in the box. You'll just be enjoying the scriptures. And then you can just throw the card away and just keep reading. All right? But sometimes having a commitment. I made a commitment. I'm going to read this. I remember that day, Steve, that crazy guy, came and preached, and, and I picked up one of these cards, and I'm just gonna, I'm gonna do it, right? Sometimes it, it makes a difference. So I'm committed to reading Proverbs, but this is the last Proverbs, and I can get one at home. So if anybody wants this, they gotta come see me, all right? There's a few more left out there. there you know, maybe see some people from nine if you wanna get theirs. You can go online. There's a Bible reading plan online, okay? But I wanna encourage you to read the Word of God. I really want to ask you, what are you abiding in? What are you plugged into? Plugged into the phone, right? It's a good day when I don't pick up my phone before I pick up my Bible. That's a good day. Plugged into your phone? Plugged into the TV? What are you plugged into? Some book? No, you got to plug into the Word of God, right? Get some God power, not the man-made stuff. This isn't powerful. It's just man-made. iPhone 8. Who cares? iPhone 8's not in heaven. But the Word of God will be. Your soul and the Word of God. That's it. This is what nourishes you. 
And I want to challenge you to read it and to be nourished and to be abiding. This third reason is a great reason. Jesus nourishes the church. I am abiding. Then the fourth one. Jesus builds the church. We are all together. Jesus builds the church. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus builds the church. It's him. Him alone. We are all together. Now, we are all together. You chose to come today. Good, good choice, right? We're all here. But are we all together, right? And so I want to give you a few things that are, we have in common, okay? A um, few things that are important to us. So look at uh, chapter 4, verse 11. Let me just read through this. Chapter 4, verse 11. And he gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That's Daryl's job. That's the elders' job. That's the leaders of the church job. They need to equip you to do the work. Right? Why? For the building up of the body of Christ. You want to see this body get bigger? You want to see this body get stronger? You want to see it have muscles like crazy? You want to see this body be flourishing and huge in Jesus' name? Not for anybody else, for sure. Until we all attain to the unity, that's a key word, unity of the faith, and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. That's what we're going for. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14 is kind of a little negative. It's a little like warning. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro with waves and carried about with every wind of doctrine by human cunning and craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, rather than that, forget the negative example, speak the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together with every joint. That's you and me, guys. With which it is equipped when each part is working properly. I want you to underline that in your Bible. Working properly. Just underline that. That's it. Working properly. I want you to go study that this week. What does working properly mean? All right? It won't take you long. It's pretty easy. Working properly. There's a work part. That's kind of going to sweat a little. Forget it. You study it. All right? And, and the properly, right? It's not hard. When each part is working properly, it makes the body grow into, so that it builds itself up in love. So there's a few key words here. There's giftings. You all have giftings. There's unity. So even though you're different, you're supposed to work together. Okay? And then there's, let me look at my notes. I just said it. There's unity, there's gifting, and there's love. How could you forget love? Really? These are three things that we have in common and that it should work together. Okay? Now, I want you to see this from 1 Peter chapter 2. So I'm going to put it up on the screen. 1 Peter 2, I want you to see this. Here's three other things that we have in common. And I want to make sure that you got this. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. So Emily's my friend. I'm going to ask her to help me. Emily, we just met before service. Would you come help me, Emily, please? All right. So we've talked about a lot about growing lately. And so Emily, I'm just going to ask you to put my jacket on. It's going to be a little big, okay? All right, go ahead. Put it on. Just, just put it right on. Yep, yep. Just, just like you're going to wear it. There you go. Boom, bam. Okay, just stand there just like that. So it's a little big on you. But that, that, that really helps me because... So you're going to grow up into this jacket. Someday you'd be, I think, big enough to wear that. Okay, but, but right now it's kind of like baggy and kind of, right? Right? Not very comfortable, I'm sure. Maybe a little heavy. Thanks for helping me. Can I have it back? You don't want it, do you? Okay, good. Oh, I really need it. I like it. By the time you could wear it, it'd be out of style anyway. All right, so thank you, Emily. So do you see that? That's how I am in Christ. Robed in his righteousness, Isaiah 6 is like his robe goes like all the way in the temple. I'm like, I'm wearing this thing? I'm drowning. You ever feel like you're drowning? Like 
Christianity is such a big deal, such a big thing. I'm putting on the robes of righteousness. I'm like, ugh. But God's like, keep growing. Keep growing. Keep growing. Grow up into it. And as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, men aren't going to like it, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. Man, that was worth it right there. If no, if no other phrase was said today, in the sight of God, you are chosen, precious. Whew. Let that sink in. You yourselves, like living stones, were alive, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So I'm going to put the next slide up. These are things that we have in common. If you're part of the church, this is you. We have all asked for Jesus. There was a time in your life where you said, Jesus, I need you. I can't do it on my own. I've tried. It ain't working out. I need you. There was a time in your life where that happened. We have all asked for Jesus. Then we are all alive in Jesus. Like, if you're part of the body, you're not dead. You're not just coming here like a bump on a log sitting in a chair. You're like, dude, what are we doing today? Daryl, give me some instruction. Call the play, quarterback. Like, let's go. I want to run. Put me in the game, coach. Like, you want, you're alive. You're like electric. You're like, let's go. How are we going to take the world for Jesus Christ today? Let's do this. You're part of the church. It's a living entity. It's alive, right? And then we are all accepted through Jesus. I do want to leave you with some encouragement. If, if you've asked Jesus and you're alive in Jesus, then you are accepted too. Like, I know. I got my bumps, my warts, my bruises, my looks. It is what it is. God made me the way he did. Too bad. I'm still accepted. I'm still accepted by him. He loves me for who I am. Are you comfortable in your own skin? In your robe of righteousness? Man, I pray that you are. Let me say this just as the end of this point. Jesus builds the church. We are all together. But that's only true if you come. See, if you don't come to church, if you don't make that choice to be part of the ecclesia, the called out ones, the assembly that come together every week, then that means less living stones. That means less life in the church. That means less workers in nursery. Like, that's not a gift of mine. You know what? Nursery working isn't a gift last time I checked in the Bible. It's just not. Matter of fact, you can use a lot of different gifts in nursery. So you probably have a gift that would be helpful there. Can you tell I'm a past, like, children's pastor? Always propping the nursery. Actually, the toddlers are the hardest for me. Like, you come, you have a lesson plan, you're like, I'm going to teach about Jesus, it's going to be awesome. And it's like, all I got out to him was, God loves you. Jesus died for you. He loves you. He wants to be your friend forever. That's all he went home with. That's great. They need that. They need that. They don't stand a chance in this world without that. And you're the ones that are supposed to tell them. So I'm telling you, you got to get your calendar out right now. And you got to put church on the calendar every week as the first and foremost thing. Okay, not the first, the second thing. The first and foremost thing is go get some nourishment every morning. And after you've done that, church no longer is a place for you to feed. It's a place for you to pour out. So be nourished and then watch God use you to build the church all together. That's what we're looking for. This is the place where God meets with us. This is it, the church. This is the place, this is the hope of the world. Niagara Falls, St. Catharines, all these places around it, don't even stand a chance without the church. But with you, and with the message you carry, there's good things. They need you. They need you to be fully engaged This is the church. It's a place of power. It's the place Jesus started. And we have access. I pray that you do have access. If you don't, I'd love to talk to you about that. Jesus leads the church. I have authority. You have all the authority you need to go out and tell your neighbor about Jesus Christ in love. 
speaking the truth in love. Jesus nourishes the church. I am abiding. Are you? That's the question, right? And then if you are, come back because Jesus wants to build his church and we're all going to do it together. It's not one person. Daryl can't build the church. That ain't going to go well. Everybody working together, all the living stones coming together, that's the vision of this church. You might just take a second to think to yourself, what's my role in the church? What am I doing? What have I done? What does it look like for me? What's my application here today? As you're thinking those things, just let me speak a few words over you. The church is where the living stones, the people of God, gather together to worship God through the power of Jesus. This here is the place we meet God, the church. This is the place where the power is real and the glory of the Lord is most evident and most visible in your life. Right here. This is the place where we have access to God and the authority of Jesus as we abide in Him and gather all together to worship God. This is it. Give your life to this. You can give your life to a lot of things. This is going to pay off for eternity. Came to encourage you. Don't know if I'll ever have the opportunity again, but I'm here today and I'm saying, God wants to build His church. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, I ask you, build this church. Let something that I've said, let the word of God, it is written, penetrate the hearts of your people in such a way that they will be motivated joyfully to serve you to give their whole life to you as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. Because you've given us so much, God, and you've given us the church, the power. So God, we want to give it back to you. We leave here today not the same as we came in. We leave here encouraged. We leave here challenged to get off the bench and in the game to be living stones We pray that this would be sealed on our hearts and that we will see fruit for our labor. That we'll be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that our labor is not in vain. And I pray this because Jesus Christ, your Son, showed us this is true. Amen.